0: A failure. A system failure. Jen, your wife had an affair. What? Son was with another man. She thought the baby was his. <laughs>
1: Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 407, entitled ji This is the 79th hour of the series, and there are 42 to go. And with that, let's get straight into the Wikipedia summary for this very lovely episode. On the island, Sun becomes increasingly worried about the intentions of the Kahana crew. Despite Juliet's warning to Sun that women who conceive on the island die during their second trimester, Sun arranges to defect with Jin to the rival faction led by John Locke, who does not want to leave the island. Juliet tries to stop Sun from leaving by telling Jin that Sun had an affair, causing him to angrily back out of the journey at the last minute. After having a heartfelt conversation while fishing with Bernard Nadler, the only other married man on the island, he forgives son, who assures him that the baby is his. On the Kahana, Desmond and Said are still waiting to speak to the captain of the freighter, Galt. When they are taken to see him, Regina jumps off the side of the ship, having wrapped herself in chains, but Galt dismisses it as a heightened case of cabin fever and asserts that losing her is better than losing several more to save her. He says that he is employed by Charles Widmore, Desmond's girlfriend's father, and later takes them into his cabin and tells that Benjamin Linus faked the plane crash by expending tremendous resources in the process and procuring 324 dead bodies to make everyone believe that all the passengers were dead. Galt continues by saying that is one of the reasons why Mr. Widmore is keen on finding Benjamin Linus on the island. After their meeting, Desmond and Said are relocated to a different part of the ship where they meet Michael Dawson, working as a deckhand under the alias Kevin Johnson. The episode's off-island storyline seemingly depicts Jin rushing to the hospital while Sun, who has become one of the Oceanic Six, goes into labor. Jin's journey to the hospital is marred by several unfortunate incidents, including difficulty in purchasing a stunned panda and his cell phone being broken. Sun gives birth to a girl, who she names Ji-Yan, a name chosen by Jin. The final off-island scenes establish that Jin and Sun's stories are separate. Jin's story is set in the past, two months into his marriage to Sun. He was rushing to the birth of a Chinese ambassador's grandchild to deliver the panda as a gift on behalf of his employer, Sun's father. In the final flash forward, Sun and her daughter are visited by Hurley, who takes her to pay her respects to Jin. His tombstone indicates that he died on the day of the crash of Oceanic Flight 815. So with that, let's now move into my thoughts about the episode. And this comes with a bit of a caveat, as uh, many of the uh, many of the Sunjin ones do, in that you know it's a bit. Um, first of all, it's difficult to get clips <laughs> when it's all entirely in Korean. Uh, at the end of the episode, I will I will attempt to. Uh, to to cross that bridge a little bit uh, by by kind of describing what's going on uh, while while Sun speaks, but obviously that would get uh, laborious. No pun intended for this labor uh, episode. Um, so I, on the one hand, there's plenty to talk about, particularly uh, this kind of uh gimmick and I I mean the word gimmick here in a neutral sense, but the gimmick of uh, a, a flash uh forward uh mixed with or, or paired rather with a uh, with a flash back uh in order to uh to encourage uh, to, to encourage uh encourage our feelings at the ending of, of shock. Um so you know that I suppose then the podcast comes with that caveat. There are a few less uh clips than usual. I think the number is four uh i always um uh kind of my 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 low benchmark for clips was the the echo episode in season 3 i think it's it's the one where he, uh he's been pulled into the bear cave uh a very very plain jane episode with not much going on at all uh, that one had 3 clips and i think that was all it deserved so this one alas that it doesn't have more clips but uh that's how it goes so anyhow, with that, let's uh, let's jump into this episode, the final episode of the summer. Uh, although it certainly is my intention uh, to uh, to bang out a couple for the, the weeks ahead uh, as my summer is dwindling down. Uh, this is an episode, incidentally, being recorded about twelve hours before it hits the uh, before it hits the internet. But anyhow, let's uh, let's move on for me and get into this episode. It's an odd previously unlost between the the freighter stuff and the sun pregnant stuff. It's also kind of unusually long. It takes uh, about a minute for us to get through all that that recap information, which is always, you know, it's kind of I don't know. You know what? It's it's serving an important master, these previously unlosts. It's serving the master of Somebody who is not deeply invested in the show and who hasn't memorized everything and bought the DVDs in between seasons and all that—I personally could do without uh, the previously unlost for the for the these home versions, Netflix DVD, Blu-ray, etc. Um, flip side is you know what—it is a complex show to keep track of. Maybe you watched the first uh i don't know 50 episodes all in some frantic pace over two months time and then because of circumstances you haven't watched it in in four or five months uh since then so yeah you know they're obviously it's just a little refresher the annoying part is when it you know you'll you'll enter into an episode and say oh well this clearly is going to be a, a a son pregnant episode because we're we're talking about that on the previously on lost but anyhow at this point, we've now spent more time talking about this week's Previously on Lost than Lost did. So let's move on. The episode proper opens on the freighter. Uh, our, our friend Frank is presumably up to no good, uh, for the sake of our heroes, we hope. The whole thing has a strange air to it all. Kimi stopping him with an air of almost suspecting him. And Frank talking to the zoned-out Regina, who's holding her book upside down. Uh, the scene moves to where they've been keeping sight and Desmond, uh, which I believe is still the medical uh, 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 the medical uh, sickbay. That's the word I'm, I'm looking for, the phrase I'm looking for. Um, th- at this point, there's some very blatant exposition about why they're locked up, how they didn't break out, uh, and how someone who Frank says wasn't him opened the door. Gee whiz, if only there was a guy who had a Ben connection whose name has been in the credits for these seven episodes and who has yet to appear. More on that at the end, as Michael is finally revealed to the three people who will be shocked by it. Anyhow, things move on to the meat and potatoes of the episode. Jin and Son on the Beach. She is worried that Saeed and Desmond have been gone so long, but Jin would rather talk about baby names. Suggesting yan for his daughter, and I, I listened very carefully each time they said ji So I'm going to now pronounce it. My little uh, little uh, tip to everyone at home: if you just look at the the child's name or the title of this episode and remove the space between the G and the Yon, then it kind of comes together when it's one word. You're you're inclined to just simply say Ji-yan. So there you go. Your language lesson for the day. Uh, with that, we flash somewhere to sun in uh, korea uh it's a, ultimately a flash forward although uh, i think on first viewing you couldn't quite be sure this is after all the season of flash forwards but with last week's juliet flashback uh what will it be this time certainly one or the other right uh and with this or at this point we must of course keep a watchful eye as the episode has both of course And indeed, as Sun is packing a bag, there's a a split second of her watching Exposé, dubbed in Korean. I must set it after the crash, of course. Uh, Then there's the next little clue, so to say. Uh, She's feeling pain, calls emergency services, and says she's pregnant and in distress. So much for the Exposé clue as something to catch and ponder about. No, she's clearly, you know, post-island back in the real world, and pregnant. So hey, we're thinking on first viewing. It's a flash-forward episode. yippee skippy, back to that. Uh, And at any rate, we head to the title card, and after it, there's bright, happy music with suit-and-tie gin looking for a stuffed animal. Now, on this repeat viewing, with the cat out of the bag for this touching, sad story, a little gentle finger-pointing must be done for our, our friend Mr. Giacchino, uh, is this the music for hitman Jin? no uh same thing with the dialogue at least early on uh jinn doesn't want a gift wrap because he's going to the hospital maternity ward doesn't know if it's a boy or a girl ultimately the dialogue and the music they're working together to hide this story trick um you know is it it's basically the same as any other uh uh switcheroo shocking climax etc a shocking proposition that might exist in lost i'm just pointing out that they're really they're they're selling it a bit more than on its merits you know we're we could just assume but now the music is really pushing it the dialogue is really pushing it um all for the service of the zinger at the end as opposed to the zinger kind of developing naturally not to say that it isn't a great zinger and not say that it you know it's it, 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 if there are these story evils in in helping tell the audience the lie it certainly serves the purpose to only make us appreciate uh the relationship that Sun and jin have uh to, to appreciate that so much more uh, and as I, I know i say later in in the uh in the episode uh there's you know this is the chance to cement their relationship heading into many, many other story points that are going to be explored in the remaining uh, seven episodes, particularly given, I don't know at what point in the writing of this episode they knew that the next episode would be the last one before the strike. Probably they had an idea, but certainly they did not know that they were going to be cutting two episodes from the 16-episode plan for the season. So point being, uh, this episode... Insofar as it was released after the strike, you could be making some editing changes, et cetera, et cetera. This has to carry the Sun and Jin link, uh, at, you know, at its core, uh, not just for this episode, not just for this season. But then they're not going to be together for all of season five, as I recall, right? There's because uh, Jin's on the island and time traveling, and Sun is uh back and trying to make her way back. Uh, so you know this has to essentially this is this is the glue on the back of the stamp that takes us to the middle of season six in terms of them seeing each other again anyhow with that prognostication done uh, the purchase Jin's purchase of this panda is interrupted by him taking a phone call Uh, another clue uh, you might notice is the the phone is perhaps a tad too bulky for 2007 uh, which is, of course, the flash-forward time. Uh, now, to be fair, the first time I saw this episode, I kind of noticed the detail of the phone, but I didn't ponder it. It was just kind of went to my eyes, but not to my brain, so to speak. Um, so, at least on my part, it wasn't so big, big a clue that you know I, I ended up being spoiled. Anyhow, flashback over, we see Kate, uh, Jin, and Son talking. It's mostly recap and info sharing over Charlotte and Daniel. Shutting down the gas, but not being concerned with the rescue. Uh, with that, the story moves. I, I mean, as a side note, I mean, I don't want to... That scene is worth glancing over. But I, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they feel the need to remind us of things that we saw in recent episodes. Either do it on Previously on Lost... If you really feel, you know, you, you spent a minute showing Jay Lee and Sun opening the door for Jay Lee or him waking up next to her and they're both, you know, you see their naked shoulders or whatever, you know, and then now you're just going to have a nothing scene where you talk about, well, here's what these two did last week. Well, yeah, I watched last week. And if I didn't, it doesn't particularly impact this week. In fact, it doesn't impact it at all. If you want to give the reminder again in some future episode for Kate to say, hey, can we really trust you you know i'm feeling right now that i shouldn't trust you because uh, there was a time in another episode where i did trust you and you hit me in the back of the head with a gun fine that's natural that's organic that's that's the time that any one of us who got hit in the head uh with uh charlotte's gun butt would say hey you want me to trust you i don't instead there's just kind of this nothing scene is it an attempt to get Kate and Charlotte and Daniel uh well I guess Daniel doesn't appear but isn't is it an attempt to have us remember Kate have we forgotten her no Charlotte well okay she's been in six episodes previous to this some with more uh presence than others but you know we got it she's the British redhead who's really confident like I don't know it's it's weak writing is what it is. It's not that the, the show as a whole thinks that we're morons. Maybe they're just filling time. Maybe, you know, if a script is going to be 45 pages long, you know, roughly a, a page a minute, uh, maybe this, you know, first draft with all the Sun and gin stuff figured out beautifully and all the Freighter stuff figured out beautifully. Maybe it was a 40-minute script and they needed to come up with a couple scenes to kind of pad it out. I don't know, but anyhow... The see even, even though there's a whole section of the story that we can't cover in clips at least there's uh, things to be said about the episode uh, anyhow the story moves to the freighter where Saeed is sick of the lima beans that Frank delivered uh, and Desmond sees that their secret Michael admirer has left them a note something uh, Saeed very clearly connects to Ben's expositional claim that there's a spy on the boat working for Ben the note says in giant block letters it can be seen even on your little TV that you have in the kitchen as you watch while, I don't know, having breakfast or something. The note says, don't trust the captain. And we're supposed to shudder and worry. Now, did he really end up being this vaunted character to warrant the unseen buildup? It's certainly not in my memory. And I'll be the first one to admit, you know, I have not uh, seen some of these second half, you know, the, the, the second half of the series. Some of these episodes I've only seen uh, once in their original airing. So, perhaps I'm wrong. You know, I don't like to go to Lostpedia for every last little thing about about these characters. My recollection is he's not much of a character. Uh, Was this perhaps a result of the strike? A a story thread not pursued? Uh, Very possibly. To me, that that would probably be the first culprit. But, um, you know... It's just kind of this build up, build up, build up. The unseen captain, then we finally meet him. And even in this episode, you know, written pre strike, filmed pre strike, uh, released without strike issues insofar as, you know, the next episode uh, or after the next episode, Lost went away for four weeks, five weeks, so that they could continue to complete the final uh, five episodes, six episodes of my math is correct let's see seven six yeah five um so even in this he's kind of not i don't know he doesn't have great presence oh so he has an accent and he's kind of taller and has a you know has a beard um okay like i don't know the character the character just doesn't quite sing anyhow uh at this point moving on uh just like that we keep zipping along we're back to the beach uh, with sun introducing herself to daniel i think at this point the credits are still going on and it's not a particularly long credit sequence uh so it's certainly um (laughs) despite the fact that i'm (laughs) i have a lot to say thus far we're not that deep into the episode uh anyhow sun's introducing herself to daniel saying she's pregnant and asking about rescue Daniel explains that it isn't his call and kind of shuffles and mumbles. Uh, is this a chain of command reference ag- uh, again to the captain? You know, back to back, fear of the captain type type scenes. Uh, is it a hint about Widmore? I mean, I think we're clear at this point that Widmore is the one employing them. I'm mean, certainly by the end of the episode, uh, we are. So, is is it a chain of command reference to that? I I, I don't know. Anyhow, uh, we are indeed at about uh, a quarter through the episode at this point, about 10 minutes in. And the episode at that point, for me, it wasn't feeling that great. Uh, I was kind of left wondering if the fantastic and shocking and heartbreaking ending uh, that this episode has, if it covered up an episode whose purpose was largely mechanical, moved the story ball forward on a number of fronts. Uh, is that true? Eh? maybe uh certainly for the Saeed stuff you know we're we're prepping that final uh final landing into uh the the all flashback episode meet kevin johnson for next week uh as a side note i i, I don't have this written down so i'm afraid I'll, I'll not mention it at the end it crossed my mind if um the michael reveal was meant to be at the very end of the episode, but as 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 is oftentimes the case, the emotion of of uh the Sun and Jin storyline kind of uh overruled things and said, you know, no zinger this time, we can have the zinger in the penultimate scene. But anyhow, um I, you know, it's a better episode than it felt for the first ten minutes. I think that's that's fair to say. Uh however that feeling didn't go away right away. Uh, In the next scene, we have Jin demonstrating his English to Jack for the sake of demonstrating English, apparently, Uh, and Sun pleasantly updating Jack about her pregnancy. Uh, With Jack gone, she turns stone cold, telling Jin to get food for two days and question nothing. Uh, How far we've come from the reverse of this situation on crash day, haven't we? Uh, With that, the hook to end the act building on Daniel's lukewarm at best rescue talk, Son and Jin are going to Locke's camp. Hey, at least that means they won't get off the island, but with Sun and presumably Jin for first-time viewers getting off the island, it's a pleasant enough conundrum with which to end the act. After the act break, there's tense music and searching on Sun's part. She gets caught by Juliet, who quickly sniffs out that Sun is planning a trip. She's looking for extra prenatal vitamins. Dramatically, it seems like a bit of an excuse to repeat that both women, uh, to to repeat both that pregnant women don't survive, and Juliet is really, really serious about pregnant women not surviving. Uh, (laughs) Serious in her statement of it, not serious in that she doesn't want pregnant women to survive. Uh, Sun has a moment where she emphatically states that she doesn't trust Juliet's, quote, stories, close quote, about the threat to pregnant women, and cites Claire, Aaron, and Son's own good health as, as proof. Now, I'm not quite sure of the function of Son's fierce moment. We know that this threat exists. We know that Juliet's, quote, stories, close quote, are true. We've seen Juliet struggling with the death of Pregnant women only last week, uh, or one woman anyway, which was reminder enough. uh, It's been referenced multiple times. Yes, son says she'll do whatever she has to to protect her baby. While it's true, it's also a sort of dramatic boilerplate. I mean, doesn't every mother feel that way, at least on TV? I mean, if not, I'm sure you could think of some of these awful exceptions, but isn't that what what you're supposed to say on TV? I'll do anything to protect my baby, right? uh with that we flash forward to uh son entering the hospital where the nurse mumbles to a co-worker that this is one of the oceanic six uh but darn it i thought she was going to locks camp where such a thing can't happen the shell game at this point i think is becoming uh, becoming fun the maternity nurse collects son's litany of jewelry let's not forget she was hastily rushed to the hospital. Uh, lucky there's enough so that when she complains about not wanting that piece of jewelry taken off her wedding ring we understand it in context uh i think here you can give points to the writers it's more elegant to show uh to to, to show the jewelry to show that it's the wedding ring than to for his son to say no not my wedding ring from my husband who's dead oops ending spoiled anyhow jokes aside it really is a nice uh visual way to communicate, you know, like, they're just taking her necklace off, there's another necklace in the bag, as I recall, uh, or a bracelet or something, and then they reach for the wedding ring, and you don't need to explain what it is. With that, a new uh, doctor comes in, Dr. Park, the usual guy, is away, we are told. Son is given painkillers, rather quickly, in my experience anyway, but that, of course, means that it's in her bloodstream for just long enough long enough for TV medicine anyway, for her to start asking for gin. Hey, that works out well. He's dead, as far as she knows, but now she's too hot on painkillers to remember. Hence, we, the audience, thinks he gets off the island. See? Anyhow, with that, we cut. No flashback sound, of course. As it would spoil things, we cut to where Jin gets a call. From the hospital. Now, should I feel that this is cute or cheap? Um, I'm not quite sure. Certainly the fact that the episode is different dramatically does make this a a fun episode, a fun, dramatic presentation, even though we kind of... (laughs) It's not like we're sitting there going, ooh, son is in uh, uh, distress with the baby. The baby is in distress. This is fun and, you know, uh, fun in the sense of watching how the pieces are moved around. At any rate, in a comedy of errors... Jin's phone is dropped it's run over hey not too much lingering on that old cell phone now on his cab with the panda in it is taken hey come back here or i'll rip your head off the expectant father yells or as it will turn out it's yelled by the vicious childless enforcer of mr pike and indeed we see a bit of that as Jin returns to the toy store to buy another panda the only one left is on hold the worker suggests a dragon it being the year of the dragon, of course. Now a quick peek at Wikipedia reveals that the year of the dragon is right now, in between January 2012 and February 2013. The one before that, ah, there's the there's the rub: February 2000 to January 01. Now I wonder, did people stop to Google that mid-episode when it was first aired? Uh, I'm sure some people did, um, or. Conversely, what segment of of, uh, the Asian population uh, watching suddenly smelled a rat, or as the case might be, smelled a dragon? Anyhow, Jin slaps down a wad of cash and declares in his big boy uh, enforcer voice, I need that panda. He being a serious guy, gets it. Flashback over, Jin and Sun are getting directions from Kate as to how to get to the barracks. They're about to leave, but Party Pooper and well-meaning Juliet declares that Sun can't do this, as she's three weeks, uh, or it's three weeks until she'll be very, very sick. Jin's response: Where Sun goes, I go. Ah, love that can't be shaken. How nice.
0: Please, Jin. Your wife had an affair. Son was with another man. She thought the baby was his.
1: Juliet here is clearly scrambling to do what's best, although with the forthcoming slap to the face, things fall apart as Jin storms off. It was at this point that I noticed that he was in a red shirt. Uh, Is this warning for first-time viewers that something is amiss? Is a warning that Sun and we, for a time in season five, will expect him to be dead? Perhaps so. It certainly would be a fun, uh, fun little prediction there, given that he is presumed dead uh, for well for a good time in season five. Anyhow, Jin having stormed off to the beach, uh, Sun follows, and she gives her plea to explain the situation. With that, Bernard, Bernard of all people, appears out of the blue, a bumble in his way to look for a fishin' buddy, and having stepped into this teensy-weensy argument over marital infidelity, and for all jinnos, paternity uh, question, he tries to kind of back out of it, but uh, he sticks around. So story-wise, why did Bernard show up? Hey, if Jin's going to be fishing angry, doesn't he need a buddy to talk to, especially since his English is so good now? Uh, And indeed, Bernard talks man-to-man about the trials and tribulations of marriage, and then repeats the story of Rose's sickness. The scene turns heartfelt, despite it being technically a story retread. It's a reminder also of where things stand uh, at what ends up being the midpoint of this uh, short season, Staying with Jack and working for rescue is the right thing to do, despite the risks, and staying with the increasingly flawed lock can only lead to disaster. With that, Jin gets a a fish on the line, and Bernard calls it karma, saying that they must be the good guys. The look on Jin's face, showing his broken heart, shows us that he doesn't feel very much like a good guy. Again, you know, it's it's an effective scene. It's not hitting you over the head with being a lot of repeat. But that is also kind of what it is. You know, what was achieved in that scene? Review and kind of a uh, moment to recite that we're the good guys. Uh, you know, again, it's not that the island stuff is not particularly strong, particularly the farther and farther away you get from Sun and Jin. But anyhow, at this point, the story moves back to the freighter, with Desmond and Said still being locked away. They're discussing the tapping of pipes on purpose, uh, perhaps suggesting that it's a message when Dr. Ray collects them to meet with the captain. They're on the deck and discussing the absent helicopter. Petus is running a mysterious errand. Then Desmond turns to watch, and watch, and watch, Regina wrapped in chains, Christmas Carol style. She walks the width of the ship and then promptly jumps into the sea. Our heroes freak out and cry for help in rescuing her. Everyone else seems disinterested amidst the chaos until a voice yells, Stop! Thus speaks the captain, who takes us to and through the act break.
0: I'm Captain Galt. I suppose you two have a few questions. So what can I do for you? What? You boys said you wanted to speak with me. Let's just start why a woman jumped over the side of your ship and you did nothing to stop it. I didn't jump in or order my crew to jump in because I didn't want to lose any more people. What exactly is going on here? Some of my crew have been dealing with what might best be described as a heightened case of cabin fever. I think it's got something to do with the close proximity of the island. Why don't you turn around then? I've tried, but we have a saboteur on board, and he's done one hell of a job on my engines. I've got my crew working around the clock to repair them. And then you'll take our people home? Then we move to Safer Waters. Those are my orders. And I don't suppose you'll tell us who gave you those orders? Sure, I will. Charles Whitmore. This? Is Charles Widmore's book. That's right, you know him.
1: You know, I like that rather chuckle-inducing moment when Desmond asks for a full explanation. Lost never does that, right? But then it does, and rather efficiently, losing crew members, island threat, saboteur, taking orders from Widmore. Again, it's kind of interesting because it's a new character, um, and... It feels organic enough. This is an opportunity for characters to kind of re, repeat, rehash, uh, in a in a organ in an organic way. But let's also not forget that that's the function of the scene for him to rattle up, rattle off a number of important story points uh, quickly. Uh, with that, the story moves inside the boat, where we get some even more distilled truth. Uh, there was, of course, a theory during this season. Uh, that Widmore had staged a fake crash,
0: although from Galt's perspective, that isn't possible. Now here's the funny thing. This black box comes from Oceanic Flight 815. A salvage vessel recovered it from the bottom of the ocean. It took a considerable amount of Mr. Widmore's resources to procure it. It was found with the wreckage of the plane, along with all 324 dead passengers. That's not the complete story, as you were well aware, Mr. Girard, given the fact that you're standing here, breathing. The wreckage was obviously staged. Now, can you imagine what kind of resources and manpower go into pulling off a feat of that magnitude? Faking the recovery of a plane crash putting 324 families through a grieving process based on a lie. But what's even more disturbing, where exactly does one come across 324 dead bodies? And that, Mr. Girard, Mr. Hugh, is just one of the many reasons we want Benjamin Linus.
1: From that exciting and accusatory development, uh, we go back to Sun and Juliet, whose storyline at this point is feeling a bit less interesting, though as Juliet spells out the exact timeline of how Sun will get sick and sicker and sicker and then die on the island, it is a good reminder that Sun must leave. With that, we flash forward to, st- to Sun still in distressed labor. The first clue that we get uh, towards Sun's misunderstanding of the djinn situation is how she mistakes a random man walking by as her husband. You know, because when the doctor and nurse have the sheet lifted up to look at the head emerging from a lady's privates, that's when the door is wide open for random passers-by. And of the writer much? Anyhow, the scene at this point turns into the standard TV birth, uh, which happens fairly easily and produces a clean two-month-old covered in Vaseline. Uh, Though, to be fair, the baby's close-ups have it covered in... More miracle of life bits and pieces than this proud papa saw before the nurse did a a thorough wipe. Anyhow, uh, flashback over, we're back on the ship where Dr. Ray hammers home just how great and powerful the captain is. He introduces Saeed and Desmond to their room, a bug filled place with blood on the wall. Uh, He did not mean for it to be that dirty. Uh, At this point, Dr. Ray calls for someone to clean the room and we're not that shocked, are we? Hey, Johnson, is that you? Johnson? Yeah? Mop this up. Sorry, I gotta go up on deck. No, you're gonna mop this up. <laughs>
0: is uh Saeed. desmond kevin johnson nice to meet you kevin
1: get it nice to meet you kevin because next week's episode is meet kevin johnson uh and as i as i said earlier uh which i'm again i'm pretty sure yeah i don't have my notes later on um i suspect that this was probably the final episode uh the, the final scene of the episode for uh for a while maybe as written uh maybe it was changed in the writing process whatever uh because can't you just imagine nice to meet you kevin boom next week you start meet kevin johnson um I'm glad they didn't go that route because we care a lot less about the freighter story than, well, than at least what's what's about to happen uh, with uh, with Sun and Jin. Uh, and indeed, after the act break, Jin and Sun make up. Jin's made dinner. That big-hearted lug, Jin has figured it all out. The man he used to be pushed her away, and the island has been their redemption. I want to call this scene. Retread and unnecessary, but darn it if these two don't sell every heartfelt scene that the show requires of them. It also picks up on the thread of turned tables. He's forgiving her for indiscretions when on crash day we thought he needed forgiveness. And how the scene proceeds with son talking about the need for the two of them to get off the island for the baby's sake. This makes the scene, as I said earlier, absolutely critical and the episode as a whole, with seven episodes left to the season, there will be precious little time for Jin's supposed death in the water to be emotionally cemented in their relationship. A reminder as well, Jin almost dies on water at the end of season one, almost dies on water at the end of season four, and then dies in water towards the end of season six. That rule of three returning for us. The scene wraps up wonderfully with Jin asking if the baby is his. The explanation in Korean is a teary and heartfelt yes, and it affirms their lovely romance. And the scene ends with, and you will never lose me. Irony of ironies, right? With that, we flash back to Jin running into the hospital with the panda, having never lost her, the music swelling to meet the emotion, and he meets a guard outside the hotel room. Uh, the hotel room the hospital room there to present the panda to the ambassador's grandchild on half of behalf of pike automotive uh Giacchino's piano gives a confused dissonance and our hearts sink it really is a nice uh it's a nice zinger uh, as you'll see in a moment they think that some of us in the audience don't understand it and they really hammer it home but it's nice that it it rots during the course of this scene it's not a big uh hey i want to drop this off haha not me i've only been married two months it's a um it's just nice how you sit and go oh my goodness they just said you'll never lose me and i'm like wiping the tears away from my eyes because it's this love eternal and now they're apart how could what could what could pull them apart surely Jin doesn't die and at the end of the episode they're acting like he's dead uh and you know well, well we'll talk about the end when we get there but it's uh, it's nice how this scene slowly falls apart, in, in the best of sense. Uh, and indeed, Jin delivers the panda face-to-face to that Chinese ambassador, along with the message of how Pike Automotive would like to work with China. Get it? China, Japan, he's buttering him up. It's the Chinese ambassador. And then at this point, as, as I mentioned, uh, for the dull members in the audience, the nurse asks him why he's leaving so soon he responds the baby wasn't his and he's only been married <gasps> two months then flash sound in place the show indeed moves from flashback to flash forward certainly the first time perhaps the only time that i'm aware of it making a jump like that the shot uh accusingly uh to we with broken hearts over the idea that this great love will be separated by the rescue the shot is of Sun's engagement ring, the very ring that we saw her lose and find back in the first season. The scene is tremendously quiet as she puts on that ring and fixes her makeup, as she was doing in the, in the beginning of the episode. Her doorbell rings and it's Hurley. Uh, there isn't much dialogue at first. The show relying on both of the actors to really, really pull out the the warmth and emotion and smiles of uh, uh, of the scene to pull that off the page. Hurley comments that Jian looks just like Jin.
0: Yes. She does. So, I guess we should like go see him. Of course. Oh.
1: You know, maybe it's Jacino's music, maybe it's the actors, maybe it's both, but when the wide shot reveals a gravestone that we're in a cemetery, it's touching, it's heavy, and it's a teary moment for us at home. With that, Sun gets ready to introduce Jion to her apparently departed father. Yopo.
0: You were right, she
1: says. It's a girl. The show spells it out perhaps a bit too much. Explaining that there was a hard delivery. Calling out for an absent husband. And she adds that she misses Jin very, very much.
0: The episode ends softly.
1: With no hook to propel us to next week. Something that, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm grateful for. However, this idea of no hook, the constant didn't get that. Most episodes don't. The Sun and Jin episodes seem to be the exception. Indeed, there's no boom with the lost logo on it, just an end to the episode. that somber note let's now head towards uh, lostpedia see what bits and pieces i have missed uh some of it is uh, particularly good stuff the first is uh, that michael can be spotted on the boat before he's revealed as the janitor when regina jumps off the boat the camera cuts to a group of people standing at the boat's edge michael appears to be the hooded member he seems to be uh, trying to hide his identity from saeed and desmond uh, until he is forced to confront them by Ray. Uh, and indeed, Lostpedia notes that Harold Perrineau has been credited as a main cast member for the previous six episodes, and many hands had all, uh, fans had already deduced that he was Ben's spy because of this. Duh. Uh, Jin's Tombstone, moving on, uh, has the date of September twenty second, 2004 on it, the day of the crash. Uh, and I indeed remember... Uh, you know the the week that that this episode aired, screen caps were all the rage to show us that that was indeed uh, indeed the case. The tombstone also says that Jin was born November twenty seventh, nineteen seventy four, and Sun was born March twentieth, nineteen eighty. This difference of six years is considered the least compatible, according to the zodiac. So there you go. Guess uh, it, it did take the the island's magic to overcome the zodiac. Moving on, when Sun and Jin are sitting uh, at night uh, by the campfire on day 95, Sun comments that it has been three days since Saeed and Desmond left the island, matching uh, the helicopter departure at dusk, day 92. Next morning, Saeed says to Desmond that three days ago when Saeed was in Locke's camp, Ben told him there was a man on the boat the same day the helicopter departed. This confirms that there's a difference where Saeed have experienced uh, three days while people on the island are experiencing their fourth day, matching the flight time discrepancy of a 20 to 40 minute flight, landing a day and a half later in island time. Uh, Last but not least, day 95 is Christmas Day, 2004, and day 96 is December 26th. Also the day uh, of the Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami, that of course was so tragic, killing uh, so many people. I will mention that uh, there was a time... uh, certainly not uh pardon me i take that back uh, i'm losing track of the the years uh here there was a time where uh speculation online speculation to some of the podcasts uh, the lost podcast i was listening to uh would be that they might make reference to the tsunami or perhaps some sort of island trickery would cause the tsunami is that appropriate has enough time gone by is it blah blah, 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 blah? Uh, I remember that was particularly uh, a a, uh, a theory that was mentioned a number of times on uh, the uh, podcast Lost Casts, uh, which was uh, which was my favorite, as I me- have mentioned uh, in previous episodes here. Uh, then I looked at a map and I emailed those guys and said, you know, where this uh, earthquake took place uh, is nowhere near the South Pacific. Six hours from Fiji or or wherever we're supposing the island's location was at this point, point. Uh, and indeed, the tsunami you know hit uh, so tragically the uh, the um, land around the, uh, the the epicenter of it and, and that then dispersed the energy. It didn't you know uh, the areas where the most damage was it was because the the energy was stopped there. You know, some of these teensy islands, the, the, the wave just kind of slid up and over it with, with less damage. But uh, to the show's benefit, both dramatically, because I think to have a, to take a, a disaster that killed a quarter million people in, in one day uh, and to say, hey, it's because we moved the island, it's because Ben's a real sneaker, uh, would not have been uh, appropriate. So I think that for those of us who were keeping track of the calendar... And knowing that uh, that this day, December 26, 2004, day 96 after the crash, uh, that it came and went without any any uh, trickery that would have uh, somehow uh, at least had a little wink towards that uh, tragedy. That certainly was a good, uh, a good choice on the part of the writers. And I see there's one more bit here from Lostpedia, uh, which is another clue, one of the, the number of clues uh, that I've mentioned, uh, concerning uh, these hints that the Jinn story is in flashback Sun is immediately recognized as one of the oceanic six when she enters the hospital but no one pays any attention to Jin. Uh so on that note let's look ahead to next week a character that we haven't paid any attention to for some time except for the fact that we've been talking about uh, his return all season next week will be 408 meet kevin johnson uh, an episode that, as I recall, is done entirely in flashback, which is a neat, uh, you know, neat way to do it. Um, I think that we perhaps were a bit eager to get continuing with some of those flash forward stories. But, of course, in lost fashion, they uh, you know, they come up with ways to, to draw things out and to keep them interesting. So next week, the return of Michael, who, of course, will not be <laughs> around for too much longer. Uh, we're, we're nearing the last handful of episodes for Harold Perrineau's involvement as a cast member. Uh, he will, of course, uh, return as a ghost and not make it to the church scene because he was a naughty, naughty boy. Anyhow, uh, if you'd like to share feedback, the best way is uh, getting in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. You can call the listener line, 732-707-1815, send an email to back at gmail.com, or leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. So I must say, for an episode that I watched uh, rather quickly, and for an episode that only had four clips, uh, I'm glad that this has ended up being a longer uh, a longer podcast than I think we've had in some time. Let me take a quick little peek here at the uh, at the rundown. Will probably be uh, wrapping up right as we hit the 51st minute, which uh, oh confirmed dead was a, a bit longer than that. But um, wow, my goodness! Certainly, this is one of the longer episodes that we've had uh, in the last season or two. Although I see the Glass Ballerina weighed in at 55 minutes, so there must be something. Must be something going on there with uh, with these Sun and Jin episodes, as always. So with that speaking of as always i will talk to you all again next week for 407 uh pardon me 408 meet kevin johnson take care everybody and bye-bye